Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. This is Hey Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. How's it going? It's going. I've got a lot of first world problems over here, things I'm, I'm grateful for, but definitely some stressors that I'm not used to. Like what? Like uh, we moved and I haven't been able to unpack my boxes and we're getting carpet ripped out and flooring put in. And here's one of my other big first world problems. The jacuzzi is not hot. I'm calling. I've been calling. The jacuzzi is not hot. (laughs) I've been wanting one. Like all my life, I've wanted a pool and a jacuzzi. And one of the appealing features of this place was the solar pool heating. And I've just started calling it the cold tub because that is what it is. It is not a hot tub. It is a cold tub. And is it really cold? Like, is it icy cold water? It's not icy cold because it's still pretty hot. You know, it's San Diego, but... Uh But it's not what you expect a hot tub to be. But you know what? Again, first world problems. I'm really grateful. So this vision that you had of yourself with your margarita and a pad of paper where you would be writing your next great play is not happening because not the, because the hot tub is the cold tub. and <laughs> Not right at the moment because when I look it does look like an episode of hoarders in my house right now. I'm not exaggerating. And when I look at the pile of stuff, like I'm looking at it right now, my anxiety level, I just feel it rise. But you know, my husband has been painting and boy, he has just done an amazing job. It looks so good. It it was dark. The colors were dark, but he has lightened it up and it's just looking beautiful. He has really worked his ass off. That is wonderful. You're very lucky to have so lucky a life partner like that because my husband never helped me paint anything. I was painting when I was nine months pregnant. I'm sure that he would have gotten around to it eventually, but like, dude, you know, we're on a schedule here. And so I'm really jealous of your marriage. But Mabel, your husband built a stage. I'm not there yet where I can count the blessings on that one. In case our listeners are wondering, (laughs) my life partner decided that this would be a great time to build a stage in our backyard. But Tori, you should know that he keeps bringing this up. You are slated to be the first performer on that stage. So he was asking me just the other day, and in my annoyance, I was like, I don't know yet. Eh." But he was like, is Tori ready? Is Tori ready? Because the stage's ready. The lights are ready. And he he just got the lights in. So it's waiting for you to christen it. Wow. Oh, that would be an honor. I guess I need to pull that script out, yeah? I guess so. Because I can assure you it is not memorized right now. (laughs) (laughs) that's okay we'll fix it in post yes wait what about you you have to check in what am i checking in about what ails me Uh, well or not (laughs) what's going on with you i'm writing a lot i'm writing a lot because 
we are on somewhat of a hiatus from our classes. Well, some of them. It's not, it's true. It, yes and no, because I'm still teaching. Right. Uh, and I'm teaching something that, that takes a lot more work. There's a lot more planning involved. The work that we do in prison ends up taking up a lot of my energy, energy, soul. Yeah. You know? And so I don't have a lot of time when we're doing that to work on other things. Like I really do spend a lot of time on that. Whether I'm like physically doing something or just thinking about it. I'm not saying that it's a, a negative thing, that energy or your soul, but we put our hearts into it. Yeah. And when you put your heart into it and you continue to think about your writers and your participants and how you can best serve them, then it it's constantly running, you know, yeah. in your mind, in your body, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. So mm -hmm. we've wrapped up this cycle, this very bizarre cycle that started out with in-person classes and then shifted to these as best a distance learning model as we could do, which was basically sending in packets, right, and hoping that they get to the intended people and that the intended people submit work back. And so it was like this weird, like a correspondence course, sort of, but also was kind of frustrating for us as teaching artists, because a big part of our process is having discussions and feedback. Yeah, I am amazed by the work that we got, because I think that the playwrights did an incredible job under these crazy circumstances. And mind you, what we're dealing with we can't even begin to imagine what they're dealing with. Right. So that they were able to still find joy and light and just, you know, write some really beautiful pieces was quite fulfilling for us. And just, it reminds you that there's stuff to feel good about. And so because we're on break from that, I've really been ramping up my other writing. I've been kind of manic about my writing. A little bit bizarre. If I'm not writing, if I have a free moment and I'm not writing, I'm studying up on the craft. But all good. All good. You know, I'm just taking advantage of this time because I know that things are going to pick up again. I'm glad that you brought up our work because that leads very nicely into an introduction to our guest for today's episode of Hey Playwright. That's right. Our guest today is our colleague. Thelma Verrata de Castro. Thelma is a San Diego Dramatist Guild ambassador, a teaching artist for Playwrights Project, and the founder of San Diego Playwrights. Her plays have been performed by Asian Story Theater, Circle Circle Dot Dot, Logan Squared Productions, and others. Her one-act play was included in the Old Globe Celebrating Community Voices Evening of the Powers New Voices Festival. She was a Creative Catalyst Fellow with the San Diego Foundation, and she has worked on several projects funded by California Humanities. She's a Hedgebrook alumna and attended the A Room of Her Own Foundation Retreat. She is one busy lady. Welcome, Thelma. Thank <laughs> you. Welcome. Thank you so much. I heard your podcast. So you can count me among your listeners. <laughs> Tori, we have two listeners now. Yay! We have two. 
Oh, Thelma, it's so fun to connect with you this way. So what have you been doing to keep up with your writing during this unique situation that we find ourselves in? I have been working on projects week by week. Things just seem to pop up. For example, Tori, you handed me a writing opportunity, and I really appreciated that. Tori participated. Oh, and I think Mabel, did you hand it to Tori? Oh, this is the secret project. Yeah. The secret project? Yeah. But how did, okay, but we can't talk about the specifics of it, but how, did you do it already? Yes. How was the experience for you? Because we've been, we've been teasing it out, but we both thought it was really terrifying and then really enjoyed it. How was it for you? I loved it. I've been used to writing for prompts and this was a prompt based project. It really helps me to have the prompts there to guide my ideas. So I'm used to it. I like it. So would you say then that you work well with deadlines or are you self-motivated? Well, I feel like I'm cheating because I get involved with these short projects that have deadlines and that give me prompts. So that keeps me busy. But I've been avoiding doing bigger projects, which are more self-motivated. So for example, Logan Squared Productions, Hannah Logan and Ron Logan, I've written for them several times and they did Theater is the Cure during this pandemic. And so I received prompts for those writing opportunities. And I've also worked with them for that 24 hour thing in which we receive prompts and then have to write a play, a short play within 24 hours. So I feel like I do well with all those prompts and keeping busy but I need to think of the big picture more. Do you write every day? Like you have a schedule or are you like when a project comes up, boom, you go. I write according to somebody waiting for my play. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) Thelma, I have to commend you. Your plays are always just so funny. You've really got a great sense of humor. It comes through in your writing. Where do you draw that from? Thank you. My dad's really funny, but he doesn't intend to be funny. (laughs) So he'll say something outrageous and we'll all laugh at that. So maybe I get some of that from him where you just say something that's unexpected. Also, humor is an excuse for not having to deal with real feelings. I might be having like a touchy conversation with my family and then I'll just make a rude joke as a way to handle it, as a way to avoid it. In my plays, I use humor to cut the tension. And sometimes it allows you to get closer to the heart of something as well. It's like the sugar, the spoonful of sugar with the hard stuff. I know that you had other career paths before playwriting. I'd love to hear about those because I just find it fascinating that you went from teaching kindergarten to teaching in prison, which we will talk about as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. My life is flashing before my eyes. So I've always been a writer. As a kid, I was creative. 
in high school, I acted in plays. But in college, I wrote my first official play. I took a creative writing playwriting class. And I just never stopped since then. I became an elementary school teacher until I moved to the Bay Area when uh, my husband went to law school. And that was my big transition into the lucrative career of playwriting. (laughs) (laughs) But in order to make money, I worked some really hard jobs up in the Bay Area with special needs preschool students. And I also worked at a preschool in West Oakland. Then when I, we came back to San Diego, I worked a variety of goofy jobs. Like I was a secret shopper for a couple of different corporations. A job that I really loved was being a standardized patient at UCSD. I've done that too. So for people who don't know, can you explain what what a standardized patient is? Because I had never heard of that until Tori told me that that's what she did. Thelma, can you tell us what that is? Because I think it's fascinating. A standardized patient is a person who portrays a patient for the purpose of training uh, future doctors. The reason it says standardized is because they wanted all of the actors to play the same patient. You're not supposed to improv when it comes to these roles. They tell you what to say when asked certain questions. You can't go off book, as they say, and just make up symptoms or create your own backstory. They want all the people portraying the patients to have the same story. I was so moved by my experiences there. I got to play a cancer patient and the poor students had to tell me that I was going to die. And I had to cry for them after I got the news. So you really learn a lot about people and how to treat people and how to listen from that type of job. I just find that to be so fascinating. I hope that somebody writes a play about that. It sounds terrifying and really difficult to do, but I'm so impressed by people doing that. Thelma, I can't even imagine you how to react appropriately to that. That sounds really hard. Ah, well, I'm in the club where I've experienced something horrible in my life. That situation is my mom died and you just never, ever get used to that. You never just say it flippantly. And so I think of that as a gift and it's ironic, but it's like, thanks mom. Thanks for that gift. I can cry at any time <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, um, and just thinking about that in the big picture, like because of that experience and that emotion and she died of breast cancer and um, mm-hmm. that's related to that situation I was portraying, you can draw upon that to, teach these medical students who need to know what it's like to give someone this bad news. Wow. Yeah. Heavy. And it's very generous of you, Zelma, to be able to access that, to give that gift to students. I've experienced some things in my life. I, I, I can't, it's very hard for me to show that. That's why I have such a hard time with doing any kind of acting that isn't me playing the eight-year-old schoolyard bully. That's like the ultimate expression of my vulnerability and I just can't go there. It's really hard for me. Well, it's like 
being a writer when you're writing about heavy stuff. Yeah. Writing to me is much safer but using mm. my body and my eyes. Oh gosh, no. It's, it's See, that's so interesting because I find writing to be incredibly vulnerable and revealing. I think it is. And it's on paper, so it's always there. <laughs> I had a you know? really heavy hitting project with the fire in me about domestic violence in the Filipino American community. I got an award for that from the nonprofit Access Inc. that I worked with. And I was called an advocate of the year. And I felt horrible. I mean, I, of course, I appreciate the award. Of course, it's important work, but I was opened up to those horrible stories. I would do it again, of course, and I would do future projects like this, but it's really hard hearing people's pain. I'm glad I was able to translate it into a story that helped others. Domestic violence is one of the things where people don't talk about it, and it's just so important to talk about it because that helps. I wouldn't say normalizes it, but at least people know that they're not the only ones in that situation. So writing can really open you up. Like I haven't experienced domestic violence, but just hearing those stories, you're there with them. And so you actually lived with that project for a long time, right? From start to to final production. How long was that period? I think it was about a year and a half. That's pretty good. Oh wow! Yeah, that that is. Ironically, that's one of the big projects that I'm still working on, just in terms of I have a blog with it, which is thefiredme2019.com, because it was in 2019. I still have some blog posts that I want to finish. So that's still on my list. Well, we will put that in the show notes and send people over to that. But I want to talk about self-care because... The three of us have worked on projects that were very difficult subject matter. And so Thelma, what did you do to take care of yourself during this time when you were absorbing all of these stories and just really heavy stuff? That was one of the points in the project. Self-care is really important for survivors of domestic violence. It's important for everyone. Perfect on cue. I hear a cat and animals are great self-care. I'm a cat lover. I have two cats. And like during quarantine, they've just brought joy to the lives of everyone in my family. We may not even like each other at some point, like our the family members, but we can always <laughs> turn to the cat as a source <laughs> of love. And another point of self-care is that, yeah, you can get caught up in the stories of these survivors. But the whole point is to be happy, that you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have a life of dignity. You deserve to be fulfilled. So there's what they call survivor guilt. Even with my mom passing away, one of the gifts she gave me is she said, I want you to be happy. So cool. I'm supposed to be happy, you know, even though she's gone. Breathe. I know. 
I was going to say that just needed to breathe a minute. You are a very peaceful person. Like I find your presence to be calming. And I wondered if you could talk about that. Have you been told that before? That is so crazy. Yes. I've told you that. Oh, have you? <laughs> like some people see me as quiet. And that's so funny that like you see me as a peaceful presence because in my family life, I get very angry. Like, I'm serious. Anger is our go-to emotion in my family and in my extended family. I am genuinely surprised. I don't think I've ever seen you lose your temper. You're, you're very even killed. And I thought, oh, I wonder if she meditates. <laughs> I don't officially meditate anymore, but I think what helps me to handle those tough situations. I can recall a specific one, Tori, <laughs> that you and I oh. experienced is I am used to those situations where people are out of control. Like I've worked in the special needs preschool before, but also just from personal experience where people are really angry and expressing themselves inappropriately. I've learned a lot. I've learned a ton about how to have the perspective to handle situations like that. You're incredibly patient. I think that is definitely one of your gifts and it makes you a good teacher. You know, you're, you're patient and kind. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. I think what helps as a writer and as a person is to look at where that person's coming from. There's just so many examples of why someone might be acting in an angry way. And if you can find the compassion, then it's very helpful. You have a play that is going to be produced by the Old Globe, a living room play, right? I'm participating in the living room play workshop. It even has its own little theme song. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> And it's on their Facebook page and their YouTube page. So they have taught people around the world how to produce a play in their own living rooms. And I have submitted a script to be a part of it. So all I need to do now is film it, speak. <laughs> that it's a great thing about pandemic is it presents opportunities for you to learn something new. And I've never you know, made a video with sound and props. And my husband is going to act in it. Is he an actor or he's doing you a favor? He's not an actor, but what happened is he participated in the 25 push-up challenge. I'm not sure I'm even saying it right, but people challenge each other to do 25 push-ups a day, post a video of it, and it's supposed to be about mental health. I wasn't quite sure of the connection there. <laughs> yeah, it seems stressful to me. <laughs> I can do two. <laughs> he became a little videographer, and he did a video on the streets of downtown. He did some at his gym. He did some at the beach and he added music, did little special effects. So I think that opened him up to being on camera. 
then he challenged my brother to do it. And he became a cinematographer also. Oh my gosh. So you have all these new filmmakers at your disposal. That's very exciting. My ace in the hole is I have a teenager. And I was asking him, how do you put sound to the video? And he just whips out his phone, shows me his skateboard clips, like, look, you do this, you do this. <laughs> so he's going to be my audio and video advisor. You're built in AV club? Yes. Can you give us a little teaser about what your living room play is about? Yes. I had the experience of starting a remodel in February. <laughs> Then the pandemic happened, and I was thinking, oh, no, can we just stop? But apparently construction is an essential activity, so it kept happening. So not only did we have to experience a remodel, but we had to experience a remodel during COVID-19. Yay! But it's done for the most part. There are still a few things left, but it's an office, but I call it my dream room. And one day my husband wanted to work in it and he said, oh, it's a perfect war room because he's a corporate lawyer. <laughs> so the title of my play is Dream Room, War Room. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, that's fantastic. When are you going to film it? What is the future for this project? I will be filming it within the next few weeks. And then the different plays that are being presented will be shown on Facebook and YouTube on the Old Globe's Arts Engagement channels on October 8th and October 9th. Awesome. All right. So Thelma, you are the founder of San Diego Playwrights. Tell us what it is and why you felt the need to create this. I started San Diego Playwrights to build a playwriting community in San Diego. And I think it happened. I just turn around right and left and playwrights are producing their own plays, getting their plays produced. So I think the community has really grown since I started it. I'm not taking credit for it, <laughs> for uh, having the community grow, but at least I think more people are aware that there are playwrights in San Diego and we do have stories to share. So to follow San Diego Playwrights, you can go on Facebook and on Twitter and just look up San Diego Playwrights. But I think people can get all the good playwriting news by directly following organizations and also following San Diego Playwrights on social media. That sounds great. And we will put that link up on our show notes. So we'll make that available so people can easily find that. All right, Thelma. Yes. We have a segment that we call Asking for a Friend, where we ask questions that people submit to us. So we actually have a question for you. The other listener submitted a question? Yeah. Amazingly enough. I don't even know if this is a listener. This is somebody who submitted a question and uh, may not have listened to our show, but knows about us. And I think that you are an appropriate person to answer this question simply because of your experience. The asker writes, I've always been told that people in prison are worthless and incorrigible. In your experience in prison work, have you honestly met people who are remorseful, wanting to truly change and become productive members of society? Absolutely. And the thing is, you can't 
generalize about people in prison, just like you can't generalize about people outside of prison. Everybody is growing. And just to point out, there are people who should be in prison who are wandering the streets free. So you can't generalize that. Oh, and there are people in prison who are innocent. So anyway, to get to those qualities, yes, I have met remorseful people in prison who really want to make something of their lives and serve others. And some of those people are not getting out of prison. And I think that's incredible that they are committed to doing that, even though they're going to remain in prison. It's not like they're promising, oh, when I get out, I'm going to do this and this. They're not getting out, but they're still asking themselves, what can I do to be a better person today? Mm. Absolutely. Yes. And we didn't mention this earlier, but Thelma is also a teaching artist that is a part of the Playwrights Project Out of the Yard program. So while we did not meet in prison, Thelma, we certainly have seen you there. I agree with what Thelma said. I, I've definitely seen that. And there have been moments where I've been inside working with some of our writers and I definitely can see, especially with some of the people who've been inside for a long time, they, they even talk about that shift in perspective from when they were first incarcerated to who they are today. All right. All right. Uh, on that note. On that note, Thelma has a prompt. Yes, I do. I have a deck of Oracle cards from an artist named Sarah Greenman. And I'm going to pull a card and that will be my theme for the week, but also a writing. Wow. Here we go. Dun, 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 dun. Wow. I'll show you. Go with the, it. Go with it. Picture, but uh, I guess you guys, no one else can see it, but. Okay. You're going to have to do really good job of describing it. Okay. So. The card that I pulled, and this relates to the subject of domestic violence that we were talking about, is called, it says, release shame. And there is a picture of, looks like a young woman, and her back is towards us. And on her back, going up her spine, it looks like um, a, a flower is starting or a plant is starting to grow. So the writing prompt is write a scene in which release shame is either a line of dialogue or the theme. And think about characters. One of them has a secret and the other one helps them to reveal that secret, to release the shame. And the bonus point is to make the shame their strength. Mm. That is awesome. That's a beautiful card, by the way. Who is the artist again? The artist is Sarah Greenman. She has a website, I believe it's sarahgreenman.com. 
We will post a link to that as well on the show notes. Is she local? No, she is in Oregon. Wow. Those are, those are, that's beautiful. Yeah. Very cool. I love this prompt. This is a really cool prompt. It's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I, it's challenging to me because it's my theme for the week too. So I'm going to leave it out and I'm going to wonder, oh, wow. What does that mean that when you say it's your theme for the week? How does that manifest? Well, for example, last week, my theme was this card, prioritize your big work. Nice. And what, <laughs> what came up is right now, my biggest work are my kids. Yeah. And so if I prioritize that, I have to make sure they're okay. I have to drive my teenager to the beach to go surfing almost every day because that's his mental health that keeps him happy. So that's part of my big work, even though I'd rather be lazy and stay at home and lie on the couch. Sorry, I didn't get to the part about, oh, my big work was my full length play that I'm working on. Yeah, I know it was. <laughs> that's okay, you... I'll say that my big work are my children, which is why I'm also not working on my full length play. <laughs> it's life though. I feel like life is connected with writing and I feel like I'm writing, even though I may not be working on that full-length play. So it's all connected. Yeah. All right. This has been wonderful. We hope that you will join us again because I feel like we only scratched the surface of what you have to offer. It is a joy talking to you, Thelma. Every time I'm somewhere and a big question is asked and you speak up, you always have wisdom. It's always wonderful. And you are always, like Tori said, you are always the calming presence in the room. So I'm just really thankful that you're here with us and that you are still being very productive in spite of this strange time that we find ourselves in. So thank you. Thank you. What kind words. And thank you for having this podcast. It's so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, well. well, we're trying to amuse ourselves. Yeah, amuse ourselves. yeah. <laughs> and hopefully a few other people, um, you know, namely you and Mabel's mom. <laughs> we love it. We love it. <laughs> we love having you. Thank you so much, Thelma. It was really great to talk to you. And I, I do want to hear so much more about just life in general. I think we covered a lot of writing, but I want to, I want to hear other stuff too. You're fascinating. We got to have you back. Thank you. I'd love to be back. Oh my gosh, Tori. Is Thelma not the greatest? She is the greatest. I love that prompt. That was a really good prompt. And I found the image on the artist's website, the artist's Oh, fantastic. Sarah Greenman. I'm actually going to buy the artist cards that Thelma mentioned. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I love this image. This is, it's a really beautiful image. So definitely check out the website, sarahgreenman.com. And then San Diego Playwrights, you can find them on Facebook. Definitely like that page, follow the page and find them on Twitter as well, because Thelma is good at curating possibilities here in San Diego and those things will be posted. Yep, that's right. All right. Well, there's a prompt. 
There will be show notes. Check us out, heyplaywright.com. And feel free to submit questions for asking for a friend. And if you have any ideas, anything that you would like us to, to talk about, go ahead and send us comments. Until next time. Until next time. Tori, go write something. Hey, <laughs> I should go write something. Hey.